Happy to see you all. And today we're uh, continuing with our theme about New Year, same mission. Uh, We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit who empowers us today, being empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit. But before I get started, please join me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, Precious Heavenly Father, uh, I'm humbled. Uh, We are humbled and thankful to you for how you've already met us, Father God, in a real and substantial way. Um, Lord, I just pray your blessings continue to flow as the word of God goes forth, that it might edify and bless the hearer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So far this month, uh, we've talked about under the theme of our Christian DNA, we've uh, we talked about the DNA of our Christian mission, what's that rooted in, the DNA of our Christian values, and we talked about the DNA of, of our vision. Uh, I was casting some vision for where I believe our church body is going, and I'm excited. Uh, we, we're not there in some ways, but in my mind, we're there, and, and, and I see it happening. And uh, there's a good things afoot as uh, Sherlock Holmes would say, a foot. That's the only time I've heard that word used, a foot. The game is a foot. There are good things afoot uh, for this church body and, by extension, our community. You know, we can have mission. We can have values. We can have vision. But we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, effective witnesses, in God's people in this world. I hope you're hearing that today. We can't just do it by the strength of our will. We can't just do it by the genius of our good ideas. It's not about our ideas or, or, or our feelings or what it is that we think the world needs or society needs and all those things. It's not about us. We don't carry our own vision. We carry the vision of the Lord. There's a couple people wake this morning. I heard a couple amens. And speaking of the world, it doesn't take a genius to realize this world is messed up and needs change. You know, probably some of our kids in grade, grade school could tell us that. As, as wide-eyed and bushy-tailed as they are and brimming with hope, there is even moments when they're probably like, hmm, this ain't right. Who doesn't want this broken world fixed in some sort of way? Just letting that, yeah, Satan doesn't want it. It's exactly the way he wants it. But from the human heart, who doesn't want this world fixed in some sort of way? Whether it's our families or our homes, whether it's our community, whether it's society in general, whatever the segment of society is, whether it's our education system, our penal system, you know, uh, uh, the job market, 
disintegration of morality and all those things. There there are so many subjects we can look at and we can see the taint of sin. All over the world, people are longing for the world to be fixed or changed. But, But my dear Christian brothers and sisters, here is a truth we must understand. The fix for what's wrong in this world isn't some future plan we haven't heard yet. There is no magic pill. There is no perfect plan that has yet to be revealed. The fix began with the birth, life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fix was, the fix came, God came up with the fix before the foundation of the world was even laid. It is the salvation of the Lord. Reconciliation with God through faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, God is already making right what is wrong in the world. I I, I want you to hear that. It's hard to see. In Jesus, God is already making right what is wrong in the world. Because in the midst of all the sin, in the midst of all the violence, in the midst of all the culture wars and all this, we, we best not fail to see that God is moving and working in the midst of it all. There is a plan of God at work, and it shall not fail. It is speeding towards a, it is speeding towards a conclusion that results in the return of Christ and the making of all things new. The train is rolling. The only question is, who, how many people are going to occupy the train when it reaches its destination? So there is already a fix, and there are people's lives who are being fixed. There are people's lives who are being changed, and it's up to us to see society, to see the world we live in through the eyes of Christ. You see, he looked at the multitude who were following him, and he said, and it it saddened them because he said they were like sheep that had no shepherd. But he didn't just complain about that. He saw it, and that caused compassion for them to well up in his heart. And he engaged them. He ministered to them. He discipled them. He changed their lives. He cared enough to do something. That's why he came to die for. Right? right? And, and that's the heart you and I are to represent. We look out at the world and we see them, the people that are sheep without a shepherd. And we know the shepherd that they need. And that should cause compassion to well up within us to engage that world with the hope of of introducing them to Christ that they might hop aboard the train before it reaches its destination. There's a fix. It's not a fix that's, you know, I'm just going to tell you right now, the political system ain't going to be fixed. The 
The educational system ain't going to be fixed. The economy and all that stuff ain't going to be fixed. That's not what Jesus came to fix. He came to fix the condition of man, the lost condition of man. The fact that we were separated from God and that we needed to be reconciled with him. That's the fix. That fix happens in the life of an individual. It changes everything. That's what he's called us to do, right? Jesus did everything needed to fix people, to fix us. I'm a man standing in front of you preaching his word. If you'd have met me 25 years ago, you'd have said, there's no way in Hades. God can do anything good with that man. Maybe a little longer than that, a little longer than that. I'm a transformed life. People prayed for me. People witnessed to me. And it took a while because I got a thick head. I didn't know it, but God was pursuing me. God was wooing me. I thought I found him, but no, he got me. And there are a lot of people who are waiting. There are a lot of people who don't know it. Don't know that God is orchestrating the events of their lives because he's doing a wooing work. He's in his goodness. He's leading them to him. And we need to be faithful. We need to be intentional. We need to uh, be about our father's business in partnering with him to do our part to close the deal and bring those people in to the fold. Are you hearing me? I'm talking kingdom vision. I'm talking kingdom focus. Because even the people of God asked him in the first chapter of Acts, they asked him, at this time, is this the time you're going to make everything right and put us in our proper place? And he said, hey, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that God has put into his hand. Don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about where you are in the pecking order of society. Don't worry about whether or not God's going to flip things upside down and make everything the way you think it ought to be. Jesus told his disciples when they asked the same question earlier, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. And that's the thing we have to get into our heads. We have to get into our hearts We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We are sojourners here in the spirit. And the making of all things new does not equal a beautification of what is. The new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven. It's not going to be the making of something that's here now as though it were a new Jerusalem. And so we need to have the proper perspective. It is the salvation of the Lord. Reconciliation with God through faith in Jesus. That's where the fix is. And we as Christians have to know that. 
we as Christians must know that we carry the DNA to really change the world. The DNA of Christ. We have it within us. We have the capacity. We have the wherewithal to change the world in God's scope. The way he wants change to happen. Our DNA carries, I'm going to do a recap of the last three weeks. Our DNA carries within it a bunch of things, but we talked about truth, with the core values talking about truth, love. We talked about that family of God, fellowship. We talk about serving the least of these, so service, uh, serving others or serving those in need, the least of these. And I finish with transformational change. There is a common belief that people can't really change. A, 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 a zebra can't change its spots. A, a, a stripes, a leopard can't change its spots. Y'all know what I mean. Work with me here. <laughs> Just trying to see if y'all are on your toes. Good job. You know, uh, even in some treatments, you know, they ascribe to that. You, you, you can't ever not be this. So you just have to own it. This is what you are. So, no, no, no. There may be an addiction that I'm gripped by, but I refuse to believe that I am that addiction. <laughs> that, 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 that that addiction belongs to me. It may, and it may be, I'm sure that there is a positive reason and that there's logical reasoning for doing this, but when it comes to looking at it from a kingdom perspective, whatever holds us in bondage, whatever addiction may have a hold of us or whatever, you don't get free from it by declaring it, having some mastery over you for the rest of your life. And I just believe our God is able to save to the utmost. That's what the scripture says. And a touch from Jesus, one touch of the hem of his garment can make you whole again and set you free. And there are some evil people in this world or some people who have done some terrible things but I am convinced that they can be changed through relationship in Jesus Christ. Only in Christ can they be changed. Years behind bars may have some impact, but it can't transform a person's heart. Huge fines, canceling somebody in the culture, that can't change someone's heart. They can't transform who they are. But the gospel of Jesus Christ being born again in Christ Jesus that 
can transform a person. It can transform a life. Amen? And how can we not be dispensers of a gospel like that? Are you hearing me? So our DNA carries within it truth, love, fellowship, serving those in need, transformational change, and many other things that are longed for in this world. That's why our Christian mission, our Christian values, and our vision are so important. But as important as our mission, values, and vision are, we cannot do these things without the Holy Spirit empowering us to reach out to a lost world as effective witnesses for Christ. We can't do it. We, we can read some things and try to follow some step program or whatever, but we need to walk in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit of God if we're going to be effective witnesses for Christ to the world he's called us to reach. I hope you're hearing me today. In Zechariah 4, verse 6, it says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I don't recall if I said it, but that was Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. You know, whatever real, substantive, enduring change there is to be had will only be able to be done by the through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Whatever is man-made has an expiration date. Whatever is man-made is limited in its capacity. They who labor, who build a city, labor in vain if it's not the Spirit of God leading. Are you hearing me? Holy Spirit. I don't know everybody's uh, church background and everything, but, you know, Holy Spirit is not just some force, not just some entity. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, the Holy Trinity, the one God expressed in three persons. And each have their own part that is played. We are created in the image of God. Body, soul, spirit. Triune beings. We are a spirit who live in a, we live in a body who possess a soul. But we are spirit beings. The body, the flesh house that we wear, it has an expiration date. We have a life span that the body can't avoid. But the spirit within us will live for eternity. The real us, the spirit being, the real us will live for eternity somewhere. 
It is the will of God that we live with him in eternity. And we can only do that through faith in Christ Jesus. Those who do not come to faith in Christ Jesus will be spending eternity separated from God where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth in the lake of fire, eternal damnation. Those are the stakes. There's a finality to that that ought to produce an urgency to at least make an effort to share the gospel with those whom we know and love. Knowing that for those who don't know the Lord that we know and love. You know, and it doesn't matter what news organizations and what uh, social media people or whatever try to stir up and try to get our attention on. We cannot lose sight of that, that eternal dynamic. Everybody is going to spend eternity somewhere. Satan would have you spend eternity with him in the lake of fire. God would have you obtain the promise of salvation through Christ Jesus to spend eternity with him. And those are the stakes. And 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 and, and despite what all the, the window dressing of all these other issues that grab our attention, we must not fail to keep our focus where it ought to be. Yeah, I know those people. And, and we have to resist the temptation of those people deserve what they got because they, you know, they deserve to go to hell, this or that and the other. Hey, we're not speaking for Jesus when we say that. Because Jesus died on the cross so that we might, by grace through faith, receive salvation and not go to hell. The whole plan of salvation was so that God's creatures, God's special people, us, would not have to suffer eternity in hell. And 2 Peter 3 9 says he's not slack as we count slackness, but he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish but that all should come unto repentance. The heart of God, if we're going to represent him, let's represent him right. Because I have yet to meet a person, particularly the one I see in the mirror every day, that actually deserve salvation. If truth be told, we all deserve to be in hell. But It's the heart of our God that chose us, that made a way that we can be reconciled to him and be with him forever in heaven. That's his heart, and the world needs to know his heart, y'all. And if they don't know him, the only way they know that they, they can see his heart is through us. And so we need to be on our job in that way, right? We need to ask God and pray to God, God, help us. See them as you see us. Help me look across the landscape and see things as you see it. And quicken my heart, awaken my heart, and uh, and, and give me wisdom to what you would have me do. 
to help people come to know you in that landscape. And we can't do it ourselves. Like it says, by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Join me in the book of John chapter 14. Verses, starting at the 15th verse. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. If Christ is your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells with you and in you. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. A member of the Godhead. God. He's been given to us to help us. He dwells with us and he dwells in us. The Holy Spirit does. Stay in that same chapter. Let's go down to verses 25 and 26. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit's been sent in the name of Jesus. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit is going to teach us the truth of God's word. Not all interpretations of God's word are accurate. That may surprise some of you. But if we're walking in the spirit, if we're listening, sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will give us the interpretation of God's word in spirit and in truth. He's our helper. How many of us acknowledge or see the Holy Spirit in that way? How many of us are walking in that way where we are being led by the Holy Spirit? Taught by the Holy Spirit. Aided in our walk with God by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Bible says Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness? to be tempted by the devil. He walked in the spirit. And he wants disciples who, like him, walk in the spirit of God. It's not spooky. It's not weird. It's scripture. There are practical elements to it, but I just... 
in, in, in the weeks or, or, or the month or so to come, I will do a more detailed dive on the Holy Spirit and, and so forth. But right now, I just want to beat the drum of Holy Spirit empowering us. Let's flip over to John 15, starting at the 26th verse. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So in each of these Scripture references in John, we see the Holy Spirit being referred to as the helper. There are more instances, but that's three times where the Holy Spirit is referenced as our helper. You know, that ought to get our attention, don't you think? Maybe that's something we need to be intentional about as far as letting the Holy Spirit do the job that the Holy Spirit is supposed to do in our lives. Maybe we're not as effective in our walk with the Lord because we're not taking advantage of our help. Maybe we're struggling in some areas because our help is not being utilized. But we have a helper, y'all. We have, we have some help. Uh, let's move along here. Luke chapter 24, starting at the 36th verse. This is after Jesus is resurrected and he's 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 shown himself to some of the believers and uh, the disciples still grieving the loss of Jesus and uh, he's uh, about to present himself to them he says as they were talking about these things these things being Jesus presented himself to two men on the road to Emmaus they didn't even recognize who he was and, you know, and he began to talk to them uh, out of the scriptures and uh, it got late in the hour and he would have he, he gone on his way, but they beckoned him to stay. And he taught them out of the scriptures and it became revealed to them who he was. And then he left. He, he was whisked away. Well, they ran and told the 11 that they encountered Jesus, that the rumors of his resurrection are true. And that brings us to this verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it, is my, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. 
For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You know, I just want to do a side note there. That's our mission. You can partner that with make disciples. You know, he's, it's written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's what he told them. Now, Let's go, go with me to Acts chapter 1. Now, you're going to be my witnesses, but stay here until you are clothed with power from on high. There is some empowerment that you need in order to be effective witnesses for me in this earth. Acts chapter 1, starting at the first verse. In, this, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. Say power. power. Yeah. So you will be empowered, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Praise God. Lord, let that day come. It'd be a, it would be awesome to be alive, to see him come on the clouds as he left. Amen? But the thing here is, 
They are proclaiming what Jesus said in Luke, what was recorded by Luke. Stay here. You're going to get some help. I'm not just telling you to go out there and do the best that you can to be my witnesses in the earth. No, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will enable you to be effective just as Jesus was effective as a witness of the Father in the earth when he walked the earth. Amen? He was led by the Spirit. He said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I hear him say. And you have times where it says he was led of the Spirit. Led of the Spirit. He didn't resist it. He was sensitive to it. And he obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have to get to the point to where we are intentional about wanting to know how to walk in the Spirit, how to be led of the Spirit, how to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We, we've got to want that because that's where our help is. Are you hearing me? Jesus said, I've got to go because if I don't go, God won't send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you need him to help you do this. Not all good ideas is a God idea. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us know the difference. To lead us into those things that are kingdom rooted and those that aren't. Uh, I'll, I'll Today, I mean, I won't go into the uh, the day of Pentecost and everything. I'm just going to uh, wind it down with uh, Romans 8. But the Holy Spirit, <sighs> I don't want to say underrated, but I can't think of another word. Because we, we need to think for a moment the role the Holy Spirit played in, the, in us coming to the Lord in our own salvation story. Because each and every one of us, we made a choice to choose Jesus. But where do you think you got the conviction to make that choice? Who, who do you think played that role in your life? See, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our need for Jesus. The Holy Spirit moves on us in such a way that the choice becomes clear before us. And then it's either I'm going to choose Jesus or reject him. See, you wouldn't be a son or daughter of God right now if not for the work of the Holy Spirit. And, that Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit continues to work, convicting us of sin as we are being purified, as we are being matured in our walk with the Lord. Same Holy Spirit that convicted us and, 
uh, con convinced us of our need for Jesus does a continual work in us that we can become more like Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 11 says, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Scroll on down to 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Mature, huios, mature, sons and daughters of God. All who are led by the Spirit of God are mature sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Think about the spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness that you are a child of God. Now, what if we're not sensitive to that? What if we're not being led about? How many people who have, who lack confidence in their walk with the Lord? Maybe it's because they're not listening to the witness. The Spirit bears witness with us that we have been adopted as sons and daughters of God. So that conviction is not just a negative thing. Holy Spirit can convict you that it's a certainty that you belong to God. So we're not spending in confusion and, 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 and lack of surety in our walk with God. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I, is God pleased with me? Am I not? Is he not? Say, no, no, no. No, our salvation is secure in him. It's not something that our performance can cause us to lose. It's not something that our performance can earn. By grace, through faith, you have been saved. Now that you have been saved, now you've got a helper. You've got some help to help you live up to your new status in God. Paul said it. Commonly referenced verse, I didn't give you all this one, but Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You know, there are some struggles. We're, we're more susceptible to struggle in some areas, and the flesh is more likely to have its way if we're not walking by the Spirit. It's not fun to say. It's not fun to hear. I know. But we're talking about change, right? If we really grab a hold of walking in the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, being led of the Spirit, there are certain struggles that just have to fall away as we're committed to doing that. 
The Holy Spirit is going to do its work. And we won't struggle in some of those areas that we've been struggling in when we have not invited and yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit. We're trying hard. We're struggling. We're gritting our teeth. We're, you know, we've got blood vessels popping in, the, in our necks, in our forehead. We're just going to wheel our way into godliness in this area. <laughs> and we're on that loop because there's a measure of success in the effort, on the effort train, but it always loops back. It always falls short. It always crashes and burns. And then we've got to work our way through the guilt and the shame and, and all that other stuff and unsurety. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. But the end thereof, right? It, it, it's, it's not for your good, it's, it's destructive. Let's not do things our way. Let's endeavor to learn God's way of doing things. Apply ourselves to his word. Apply ourselves to doing things his way. And trust that we'll see his results as a byproduct of that. So I just, I just want to finish by saying, as far as uh, application, the Holy Spirit lives in us, you have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you if Christ Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Holy Spirit is there. He dwells in you. One scripture that we read in John says he's in us and he's with us. <laughs> Think about it. He, he's in you. Wherever you go, Holy Spirit's there in you. He's a guarantee of the promise that is, the, that, that is yours that you're going to grab a hold of when your days on this earth are done. And not only is he in you, he's with you wherever you are, whatever situation you're in, whatever your circumstance, Holy Spirit is there. And you might have to do like Jesus did one time and sit down and when they bring a, bring a woman caught in adultery, asking you what the law says ought to be done, you may have to wait for that Holy Spirit download and start writing in the dirt. You know what? I don't respond to questions on your timetable. Uh, you brought a situation to me. I'm going to take some time and seek the Father. Should I address this? And if so, how should I address this? Right? A lot of times we just respond on instinct. The first thing that pops up in our mind is what we go with. Uh, uh, you punch us, I'm, I'm going to jab right back. That's just the instinctive thing to do. But, but Jesus modeled for us how we ought to do. Let's take a moment. Let's acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit here. The objective here is not to own somebody. It's not to beat somebody or make them shamed and so forth and so on. The objective here is to glorify God. Amen. 
And what did he do then? He said, yeah, you know, you're right. The law does say that. I tell you what. Let he who is without sin in this crowd of judges here cast the first stone. Everybody dropped their stones and left. Because everyone knew that they themselves were guilty. They may not have been guilty of that sin. And, and that's what happens. We tend to judge other people who are doing stuff we would never do. So, see, I'm not perfect, but I'm not. I never did what that person did, right? And that ends up putting us in the wrong spot. Our heart is postured wrong before God because we're, we're starting to be tainted with that leaving of the Pharisees. That it's self-righteousness that compares ourselves favorably to other people. When we serve a, when we serve a Savior who put on a, 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 an apron and washed his disciples' feet, we serve a Lord and Master who served. who paid the ultimate sacrifice. No one can serve to a greater degree than what Jesus did when he laid down his life for us. He brought a thief who mocked him to paradise with him when that thief repented. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. That's the DNA from which we come. That's the DNA that birthed you and I from which we are born again. The Holy Spirit lives in us and empowers us to reflect our DNA in Christ. So the choice is ours. Holy Spirit is in us and with us and he's a very present help. Will we draw on him? Will we partake of and, and take advantage of the help that God has given us in the, persons, in the person of the Holy Spirit? And if we do, then by the help and work of the Holy Spirit, we'll be empowered to reflect our DNA in Christ to such a degree that real change occurs in this world. And I'm not telling you that every aspect of society is going to be changed and transformed. I'm talking about lives will be impacted and transformed. I'll leave it up to the Lord. I, as to how that will lead, whether that will lead to bigger changes, substantive changes in the systems and stuff like that. But God's focus is lives, 
changed. And if we will take advantage of the help that God has given us, we will change many lives will be transformed by the gospel of Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Hallelujah. Just join me in a word of prayer and blessing. Father God, I know you love your people so much, Lord. These wonderful people are here, Father God, because they love you. They love Jesus. They want to represent you well in this earth. Father, I thank you for the privilege of pastoring this flock. I thank you for the privilege of preaching and teaching your word to people who have sincere hearts to please you, to walk in faithful obedience to you. People who want to be about the Father's business and and, and, and want to be among those laborers out in the field that is white to harvest. The Holy Spirit, I pray that you make yourself real to those who have doubts, to those who don't know that you've been there this entire time, that, that, that your presence and your work is what led to their salvation in the first place, and you're continually doing a work in the Lord. Father, I pray that you help them recognize the work that Holy Spirit is doing in their lives and, 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 and bring a desire in their hearts to partner with that work, to yield to it, to let it have its full expression. That Christ may be fully formed in them. Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, thank you for your help. Thank you for your guidance, leading us into all truth. Thank you for convicting us when we're wrong, convicting us, bringing conviction on our hearts that that we're not complacent in the midst of our sinful ways. You are the one that brings that godly conviction that leads, that godly sorrow that leads to repentance. And we just say, have your way, Holy Spirit. Continue to do that work. Uh, even ramp it up in our lives because we want to be like Christ. We want to be true and effective witnesses for him in this world. So I just, I pray a blessing on each and every one here and who's listening to this message online, Father God. By the work of the Holy Spirit, you shall be mature sons and daughters of God. By the work of the Holy Spirit, you shall impact lives. 
in the name of Jesus. By the work of the Holy Spirit, you shall be used of God to make such a difference in people's lives that they are transformed by the gospel of Christ Jesus. And we will do it all for your glory, O God. May you be glorified and exalted through it all. And I don't know how many people we're called to reach, but I pray that each and every person listening to me right now, that you will fully bring to the Lord whatever the number of individuals is that God's called you to bring to the Lord. You are going to be a fisher of men. That's what you are in the Lord. You are a discipler. You are a maker of disciples in the Lord. You will be reproducing new Christians. Through your witness for Christ. You will be among those who hear from the Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Father, I just lift up this body and I thank you for them, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.